Welcome to the Inside the Post-Dispatch podcast, the podcast that brings you inside the Post-Dispatch newsroom. I'm reporter David Hunt. With me today is St. Louis Treasurer Tashara Jones. Hi, Treasurer. Hi, thank you for having me. It is so nice to have you. It's been a while since I've talked to you. I wanted to bring you on for a couple reasons. One, uh, you know, I, I know how involved you are in the community. I've been very interested to see that kind of progression. I know it wasn't always like that in St. Louis, so it's great to see it. Um, second, you've been at least somewhat vocal about your feelings on the merger proposal, the Better Together Consolidation of St. Louis City and St. Louis County. So I'd like to tackle that also. Um, To start with, though, I think that probably a a quick introduction to you, like tell us about kind of what you you believe your job is. Let's just start there. Great. So the treasurer of the city of St. Louis is probably the most unique elected official in the United States because not only am I the chief cash management and investment officer for the city, I am also the city's parking supervisor. It's such a strange part about city politics, right? It is. And I have looked at other treasurers all across the country to see if this is a responsibility of theirs. And none of them, none of, especially no elected treasurer has the parking division. So you invest the money, you make sure, you know, we're wise about our investments and you also run the meters and the parking garages. Yes, absolutely. And I think I've been doing a pretty good job at that. You know, since I've taken over the investments, we've made the city over $20 million in in earnings uh, since we've taken over in 2013. Now, there is a little bit of crossover between the meters and the investments, just in the fact that the meters do produce quite a bit of money, right? Yes, yes. The meters... Um, and the parking garages. Right. The meters and parking garages, parking tickets, um, right. all produce revenue of about uh, $19 million a year. Uh, but that primarily goes to pay for the expenses of the whole operation. So right. that's the employees, that's the debt that, you know, that we have uh, accumulated right. over building garages and surface lots. Um, and so it goes mostly towards operations. Now, if I remember correctly, so I, as as we discussed, I went to Houston for a couple of years, so I missed some of this. But right when you were starting up, um, I think you made a decision to that increased cash, but you did you go private with the parking meters? I forget. No, so the my predecessor went private. Your predecessor went so private. So there's okay. a it's a it's a public private partnership basically. Okay. Um, we still maintain a, a healthy bit of control over it. Um, the collections, the meter maintenance, and the parking violations bureau are all private. But we still own the meters. We still. Um, uh, we still are part of the policymaking arm. So, how did you feel? How do you feel like that's working? Is it going okay? Yeah, we've improved it significantly. Uh, we've made several improvements. Okay. Uh, obviously, now you can pay with any any way you want to, either with a credit card, with cash, or with a phone app. <laughs> um, and I've seen that. Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually. It's very popular amongst attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Yeah, yeah. And you also get notices, right? If you're about to expire, you, you get can a add. notice. You can add time, right. um, and then also you have a record that you paid. So you know yeah. if there and still parking tickets are still human driven processes, right? right? And so if there's an error on our part, uh, and you have proof that you paid, which you didn't when when you were just feeding coins into Co- the meter. Right, quarters in. You send that to us at info at parklouis.com, and we just take care of it. Done. So are you, do you get hate mail? I get hate tweets. Hate tweets. <laughs> why is my, why did I get a ticket? Why did I get a parking ticket? But usually either I or my staff will answer, you know, we're sorry about that. You know, this is a human, you know, human error, it's common you know, email all of your information to us and we'll take care of it. You know, I I have protested a parking ticket before and I totally lost. 
and I should have. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it wasn't like I was che- cheating the system, but I was. It, I was parked in a spot that was like the meter was broken, or the or it was missing a meter, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the judge, I remember him very well, said very kindly, like, "That's not the way the ordinance is written. If there's mm-hmm. no meter there, you park there at your own risk." Something yeah. like that. Do you remember yeah. that? Is, is, I, am I yeah. getting this right? Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. Or if the meter is broken, you're not supposed to park there. Right. And, and if you don't get a ticket, fine. Good. Lucky you. But right. if you do, it's on you. Right. That right. is confusing. Uh, that's so funny. I forget that this is such... It's like the most part, the biggest part of your job is investing the money of the city, right? Yes. And yet, you probably get more complaints and more discussion about the parking than anything not else. As, not a lot, though. Really? Not a lot, uh, especially since we've made the office very user-friendly. Um, and we give people the option to, you know, email it to us if you have an error. Um, and we've made the uh, the uh, the process of, you know, contesting a ticket pretty easy if there's an error that, you know, you you know already that I paid and I got a ticket. We don't even make you go through adjudication. You don't have to go to court anymore. No, no. Wow. The minister, whatever, it's not court, but you know, yeah, whatever yeah, it's called. The adjudication process. Right. Yes. So, um, okay. You have had some programs that I know you've been talking about publicly where you get into the community, you try to teach families and kids to, uh, to save, to get bank accounts. Tell us about that. Right, right. So the treasurer is the city's chief banking officer. I have a lot of relationships with uh, our banking and financial institutions. And so uh, one of the things I discovered when I took office in 2013 was a lot of St. Louisans are unbanked or underbanked. Uh, in Missouri, unfortunately, we haven't done anything to uh, to address payday lending. Uh, we have more payday lo- we have more payday loan shops than McDonald's, Walmart's, and Starbucks combined. And it's this is not something that people have. People have tried to fix this, right, and failed, yes. correct? Yes. And I, is it legislative yeah. problems? It's legislative. It's totally legislative. Meaning not the Board of Aldermen, but the... The state legislative. So yeah, exactly. Catch us up there real quick. When was the last When's the last time you remember? I mean, I, I didn't prep you on this, so forgive me. No, no, no. But when's the last time somebody tried and what happened? I remember in 2012, there was an initiative petition um, uh, to put it on the ballot or to try to put it on the ballot. And uh, the payday lending industry invalidated a lot of the signatures, mine included, um, and it never made it to the ballot. To Your signature was my invalidated? My signature was invalidated. How? I have no clue. What did they say? You didn't live here? I don't I know. I find that hard to yeah, believe. I, I just remember an attorney calling me saying, you know, they invalidated your signature. I think Jeanette Mott Oxford's signature was invalidated, a whole host of people. Um, and it never made it to the ballot because, you know, payday lending industry, they've got money, you know, for days. Jeanette um, Mott Oxford, who is a former, former state representative, state rep, is a St. Louisan. Yes. Um, has been very active in many different kinds of campaigns, including uh, anti-stadium, anti-public stadium funding. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, right. But, yeah, it was invalidated. So that was 2012. It never made it to the ballot. Uh, there have been several attempts to pass laws in the legislature that really don't see the light of day. Maybe get a hearing, but don't make it out of hearing. So what of powers are keeping this out of? I mean, it, 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 payday lending seems like, like. Does anybody think it's a good thing? No one thinks it's a good thing, except for except for the payday lending industry. <laughs> I mean, it is jacking up. Describe it quickly. It's so um, obviously you have to have a job in order to get a payday loan. You need you, you have a need of, you know, 200 to 400 dollars to get you to the next payday. Um, you go to a payday lending shop. They give you that loan on your paycheck 
And um, usually by the time you get that next paycheck, you can't pay it back. So you roll it over to the next payday, to the next payday, and then it balloons because of the interest that's uh, accruing with these payday loans that that is upwards of a thousand percent. So suddenly they owe double what they double, triple, quadruple, ten times. I think Tony Messenger did a story about a young lady who took out a four hundred dollar payday loan and ended up owing tens of thousands of dollars by the time she paid it back. Um, So the payday lenders, I'm sure, say there is nothing else that fits this need. So we provide a service to bridge that gap where, where people need food, they need gas money. If we weren't there, folks wouldn't make it through the week. Is that true? Not necessarily. I, I think that there's a lot of disruption going on right now in the financial technology industry or what they call fintech, um, that there are a lot of different um, uh, players that are now giving what are called short-term, low-cost or low-interest loans um, for families that fall into these uh, into these traps. Um, and and our job at the Treasurer's Office of Financial Empowerment is to let people know what those op- what those options are. So now, since the Board of Aldermen, well, actually the city passed a proposition where now that everybody who gets a payday loan has to get a guide from my office that says, these are your other options. Wow. So um, they have to be given it when they're getting the loan? When they're getting the loan. So we give them- that actually happens? You know, they're supposed to have a person who from the building division who's going around and making sure that they're doing it. So that's all on the building division. Huh. Um, but not only have we given them options of other places to go, like credit unions, other brick and mortar places, um, and online lenders, we we also look at you know why are you here today? Yeah. You know, is what it, is it that you need? What is it that you need? So we also provide resources on the backside for mortgage assistance, utility assistance. So I I love that you're getting into this. It's such a thorny issue though, right? Because it gets into a little bit of like morals and ethics, like who right. is. Who are who is one person to judge what the other person needs? You know, right? It's we're tough. not right. We're not here to judge. We're just here to help. But but you <laughs> yeah. do, I, you know. But you it's, do want to be like, hey, can you make it without this payday loan? Is there something else you can do? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to give people options and not to fall into that trap. Right. So I cut you off. You were going to talk about a couple programs. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So uh, the Office of Financial Empowerment opened in 2014. Uh, we use residual parking revenue. Um, to fund the office. Um, we What does that mean, residual parking revenue? So after all of our bills are paid, after we share our revenue with the city, uh, the portion that goes back into our reserves, we take a portion of that revenue. Um, it's a very small portion, and, and it funds, it's a, basically a grant to the Office of Financial Empowerment for their programs. Got it. And so we go out in the community to rec centers, to YMCAs, to senior citizen facilities, and talk to people about financial empowerment. We bring in financial institutions um, as our partners to deliver the message. Um, and also we, um, we have a full-time credit counselor on staff that helps people fix their credit. Uh, because uh, one of the things my mentor used to tell me all the time was that nothing changes your life more than God, love, or a 100-point increase in your credit score. <laughs> because your credit score really controls everything that we do and how much we pay for everything. And so we're on a mission to increase the credit scores of all St. Louisans so they can stop using payday lenders and access credit. But I'm sure some of the people you're talking to are completely out of the system, right? 
Yes, like, like credit not, invisible, right? right. They don't mm-hmm. they don't have a credit score because they they don't have any loans and they're t- they're not taking out any loans, right? They, tell me about the people that you run into and how like you must have some crazy stories. Um, we you know I don't have any crazy stories because I don't do that I don't do the counseling myself. But um, you know when someone is credit invisible for for example, that means you could still be paying all of your bills on time and be credit invisible because you rent an apartment, you don't have a car. Um, you, may, you may take public transportation are or, they even or you use, may have paid cash for your car. Well, I was going right. to ask. So are they yeah. even using a bank account? Like, do they even have a bank account? They or may have a bank account. They might, they might have a bank account, invisible. but still be credit invisible. Wow. Um, incredible. And so the credit industry is starting to change their rules a little bit to allow reporting of, say, when you pay your phone bill on time or your utilities on time or even your rent to establish credit history. Um, and, and make sure that those who are invisible are no longer invisible. So I have this vision in my head of like the little old lady who still, uh, you know, puts her cash under her, you know, between her mattresses. Like, is that what we're talking about? Or is it actually across the spectrum? Across the spectrum, because 50% of us learn our lessons about money from our parents or right. our grandparents. The grandmother so, who hides right. the The grandmother who puts the, some right. money in her mattress or in her bosom, right? <laughs> so, right. like my grandmother put her money in her bosom. She so. did not. Yes, she did. You are kidding. How I, did you learn that? <laughs> I learned from my father and my mother. Uh-huh. So, my mother took me to the bank with her every two weeks to deposit her check. Um, she would let me watch her as she wrote checks for her bills. Oh, she would man, sit with me, me. Um, to, to write things out. Uh, she would actually, and, and later in life, I was the one paying her bills because she got sick and passed away. But, Sorry. you know, those were the lessons I learned coming up. So I have a four-year-old, and I'm constantly thinking about, like, what crazy quirks am I teaching my four-year-old? And, like, what am I not, like, what part of daily life am I not teaching him? I need to start taking him to the bank. Right. Clearly. Start start taking them to the bank. But a lot of us don't go to the bank anymore. No. So when you pull up That's your bank point. account on your cell phone, like most of us do, you can show him that. Or when you pull up your your credit report on your cell phone. Yeah. That's what I that's what I do with my 11 year old. Uh, and speaking of children, the other the largest program that we have in the treasurer's office is the College Kids Children's Savings Account Program. OK, what does uh, that do? So that gives a $50 college savings account to every kindergartner in a public school. Uh, wow. The program's four years old. So we have over 12,000 students saving for college, which is over 70 percent of children in the city between the ages of five to nine. And um, and there's a bonus part of the program where we raise money private and publicly for um, match savings for perfect attendance and for parents participation in financial education programs because we use the child as an entry point to the family to also change and increase their financial capability. Wow. So um, when can the kid access that money? Um, when they gra- well in the years leading up to graduation because it's held at a local credit union first financial federal credit union okay. um, they can use those funds for expenses leading up to and including post-secondary education and it and post-secondary education isn't just college because everybody doesn't go to college right. it's vocational school right. and we're even considering uh, appren- apprenticeships because Great. people in apprenticeships have to buy tools those programs cost money as well and those are key parts of our society we have exactly yeah, I mean the, the idea that every kid has to go to college is is not a healthy idea for our society right I mean right. Co- you know not every kid it, it wants to I mean it, exactly college that, is college is important but it's only one 
path to happiness and success. I mean, exactly. I, and so we're we're letting children know early that they will have options. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so t- tell me a little bit about your views on Better Together. Again, to, to catch listeners up, Better Together is the consolidation effort, which you know well. Right. Um, the, the idea is that um, this nonprofit put out this amendment. They've actually already submitted it to the state. Um, it, if three times. Three, right, for the third time. <laughs> um, it is, uh, the, as of right now, if there's not legal challenges, it would go to voters in 20, November, November 2020, 2020. Right. And if it passed statewide, it would merge the city, St. Louis County, and all 88 municipalities into one massive metropolitan government. The municipalities would kind of still exist. They wouldn't be municipalities anymore, which is a point that is of some contention. Right. Um, <clears throat> The city of St. Louis would cease to exist. It would become a municipal corporation. Right. The city of St. Mm-hmm. Louis would not even remain a municipality. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a municipal corporation, which could which could be completely dissolved if it paid off all its debts. Right. Right. So, w- w- yeah. Well, tell us your your thoughts on it. You know, do you like some of the idea and not others? Like, you know. Well, I want to start with this first important disclaimer. Um, yeah. My opposition to Better Together has nothing to do with the possibility or prospect that I would lose my job. Mm. <laughs> so it's a very common uh, <laughs> statement by Better right. Together supporters. Exactly, is that the municipal officials, city officials are all just out for their own benefit. Right. Uh, one of the right. things I was telling my 11 year old the other day, I'm like, "Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You're smart. You have options. So you know, your dream of going to the NBA is good, but you know, you're smart. You have options. And I am smart, and I have options. Um, right. I have experience. You know, I can go get another job doing something else." Um, And I do public service because it's something I love to do. Um, My opposition is uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm always sensitive when you're tinkering with the Constitution, with our state Constitution. Um, And the prospect that someone in Jackson County or Neosho, Missouri or Columbia, Missouri is going to determine how we govern ourselves, I have a problem with that. And the people from Better Together will say, well, we had to go back to the Constitution. Well, yes, kind of, sort of, but there was already a process in place. And if you are concerned about getting everyone, everyone's input, then how about we use that process and see what we come up with. You're talking about the Board of Freeholders. The, right, the Board of Electors, Board of Freeholders. Board of Electors, right, right, exactly. It hasn't been, the name hasn't been changed yet in the Constitution, right. so I think technically it's still Board of Freeholders. Right. But right, the, the, the Supreme Court ruled it would have to be a Board of Electors, not Freeholders. Right, yeah. right. And so, so do you think, what if Better Together added, I mean, I don't, I, you know, listen, they, they have not made any suggestion that they're going to change things a fourth time. Um, but if, that's what they said the first two times. It is. <laughs> but if they did and they added like a local component, you know, that's been much discussed. Uh, pa- uh, Pat Kelly was on this show, head of the municipal league, saying, like, we think you can add a local vote, make the amendment enabling legislation and rec- and then for it to actually pass, have a separate local vote in the city and county. How would you feel if that I would feel a little bit better, but I'm still concerned about other pieces of the of the entire amendment um, that have nothing to do with, you know, a local vote is good. But there are still other portions like the tinkering with the taxes, the elimination of our earnings tax, um, the so-called budget projections that we're going to save billions of dollars over 10 years when it has been proven through research that. Other cities and or metro areas that have merged haven't saved a dime. Actually, it's cost them more. And uh, this whole theory of 
de- uh, getting rid of the earnings tax is going to be better for us. When you look at, you know, there are 14 other states that with their muni- and other cities that have earnings taxes that are way higher than St. Louis. I looked at D.C. has a progressive one that gets up to like 10 percent of if you earn over more than forty thousand dollars. So the 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 issue of the earnings tax, you know, and these are you know somewhat progressive cities that still have earnings taxes of th- two and three and four percent. How else are you going to pay for government? Okay. Um, and property taxes um, isn't. You, people are going to see massive increases in property taxes, and they're not going to be able to afford to live here. So I was talking with uh, Adolphus Pruitt yesterday, the head of the local NAACP, and he was he brought up a point that I had never heard before. You know, and I, probably my mistake for not having heard it, but he, he said that he's really worried about the court system. He said that very specifically he's worried about, you know, jury pools, uh, you know, and, and to be frank, he's worried about folks in way West County or way South County coming into jury pools of, of city mm-hmm. residents and, uh, you know, St. Louis doesn't have the best track record when it comes to race relations. Right. That's how a, that plays out. That's a valid point because St. Louis City currently is a majority minority city. Right. For all intents and purposes. And when is you it actually um, if you 48, 48 like percent black and then like maybe five or six percent other. Right. A growing uh, percent. Right. Gro- uh, and a growing percent. So yeah. that's Hispanic. That's Bosnian. That's yep. Vietnamese, you know, uh, African. Which I got to say is great to see. Yes. And right? we want that to grow. Yeah. Um, and you, the new merged city would shrink the minority population to 30%, which would lead to, as Adolphus implied, all white juries. I mean, it could. It could. And it would mean that, you know, could the attorneys pick? I mean, you know, I I guess I see... I see see both sides. Like, attorneys would need to be better, right? And they would need to be better at grilling their potential jurors, Mm -hmm. really ferreting out, like... You know who who has views that are not helpful for this particular right situation. but right now today in the 20 was it the 22nd circuit you have a better chance yeah. of getting a jury pool that's balanced uh black white and and other uh, other minorities right. than you, you do 50 50 chance, right you have roughly. a 50 50 chance basically yeah. yeah yeah i think that's an interesting point anything else specifically that worries you about it um you know I, even though i like I said, I'm not worried about losing my job. I am concerned about just literally wiping off an entire swath of black elected officials. Yeah. Um, that's concerning to me. And then um, and and the response of, well, we elected Wesley Bell in the county. Now, Wesley is a good friend of mine and this is no this is nothing against him. But they would have elected somebody else other than Bob McCullough anyway, because the, the, the county was sick and tired of Bob McCullough and they wanted to get rid of him. As my colleague Bill McClellan said, that that generation is kind of moving. Right. 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 We're, we're shifting to a new generation to take office. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And Wesley is is competent and educated and smart and the right person for that job. But I think anybody who was in the, in Wesley's shoes, smart, competent, would have won against Bob McCullough in the county this past election season. Not always easy to get smart, competent folks to run for office. I'm just saying. Exactly. Exactly. Forgive me, listeners, for showing a wee bit of my skepticism. Um, So tell me this. Do you think this is what we as a region need? Is this our top priority? Is, you know, streamlining government... 
Yet, if you were to say the top priority for this region, I know this, I'm pulling a fast mm-hmm. one on you here, so mm-hmm. forgive me. But if you were to say your top priority for this region, we, if we had to focus all our energy into one thing, what would it be? Would, I mean, would, would it be government consolidation? Would it be government streamlining? Like, what would it be? Well, there's nothing keeping us from working together right now. Who says that we have to legislate this? You know, when you're talking about, you know, the the things that, you know, okay, uniform uniform zoning laws, what's to keep a leader or several leaders from from asking the mayors of all these municipalities to say, hey, let's get together and put together some uniform zoning codes that we can agree on. But to defend better together, I think that has been difficult in the past, right? But no. Who's but has anybody tried it? Well, I think so. Who? I don't when? know. I'll check. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I haven't seen any concerted effort to bring all the municipal mayors to the table to say, what can we all agree on? Because I've done it even with the parking uh, operators. The the private parking operators had never met before I took office. And I brought all of them together because we were considering um, tearing down the arch uh, parking lot right? The, the North parking garage. And the Department of Interior from the federal government said, if you tear down this garage, we need to see that you have the capacity to, to absorb parking in other places. And where are you, how are you going to do this? So we got together, we put together a plan with the CVC, and we all agreed to uh, uniformly offer the same types of services um, that would be our facilities are well lit. They're they're safe. They have ADA accessibility. Your address is printed on the back of your parking card, so you can find your car when you park there. And then we got a sort of good housekeeping seal of approval from the CVC and included in their wayfinding as visitors look at the um, look at where to park in downtown St. Louis. So if we can do it, and and it was messy. It took a while, but still you have. To, Change is messy. Okay. Do you think the city should re-enter the county? I think I think that's a good plan. I do think that's a good plan. You know, the city re-enters the county, give us a couple of seats on the county council, um, so we have some representation. Let us let us, but let us determine how we want to change our government. If we want to keep nine citywide elected officials and fourteen or twenty-eight aldermen, that's on us because then we have we can determine our own budget. But, you know, this sort of forced collaboration, uh, I, I don't think that's going to work for us. All right. Tishara, I'm, I'm sorry, treasurer, forgive me. <laughs> you listeners. said you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. So yeah. I, I have I have known Miss Jones for a bit. Uh, I've yeah. covered her for a bit, so I sometimes slip. Um, treasurer, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I want you to give me one more thought, something sure. that con- uh, I think should be of concern to all of us. Do you see a way – this is, this is such a – I can't believe I'm asking this at the end of the show. Do you see a way for us to kind of end the cycle of poverty in the city? Yes, absolutely. Give us like a sentence on it. We end the cycle of poverty by investing in our people. Okay, let's quit there. Uh, Everybody, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Miss Jones, treasurer, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is a pleasure. Um, So you uh, listeners can find more episodes as well as other podcasts post-dispatch podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or at stltoday.com slash podcasts. You can continue to support the journalism we're doing at the post-dispatch by going to stltoday.com slash subscribe. 
Uh, everybody should be a subscriber to the Post Dispatch. It's like 99 cents for the first month, right? And it gets rid of all those annoying ads. So, you know, I just don't see any reason for folks who care about St. Louis to not support local journalism of all, of all types. Um, so, again, that's stltoday.com slash subscribe. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.